And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with a big hulk. What's up, everybody? It's a big hulk. We are in the thick of college basketball season. I think we've hit the halfway point, halfway point, uh, big sleep dog, and I'm ready to talk about We got some big games coming up, and we have a great pod uh, for you guys coming, and I'm excited. It's Duke week, as they say, um, but one of the things we're going to get into is the fact that uh, as we're recording this, we play Pitt, third-ranked team in the conference prior to that, and nobody's really saying anything about it, but we are. Uh, then we'll jump into um, you know, heels going on the road, very short drive, Durham, Saturday, college game day, all that bullshit. Uh, old Tom hung him up today. Imagine that. Um, second time in as many years he's done that. And this one does appear to be for real. we got a Super Bowl happening um, the week after. And it's just like this Sunday, you're just going to get all hyped up and like, oh, shit, it's next weekend. So it's the weekend after. Uh, speaking of that, got a lot of referential, you know, referial conversation to have. Football refs suck. Basketball refs suck. College basketball refs suck. NC State definitely thinks the refs suck. Um, we've been saying it for a long time. NC State is delusional. Uh, the LeBron foul, I want to talk about that. We got Danny G coming back. We got Jonathan Kaminga getting snubbed. So uh, from the top, man, uh, we're recording here. So by the time we listen to this, it'll be history. But got Pitt tonight and Duke on Saturday, Big Hawk. Um, what do you think Heels are seven and three in the conference. Pittsburgh's eight and three. We said a long time ago, Pitt's good. This is this is sort of our first test in a row of fucking tough games. Yeah, sleep. And you mentioned it. Uh, Pitt has beat us in Pittsburgh uh, on the road. Like I said, we struggled on the road, and that was early. Um, but you know, I think the one thing that you got to realize is this Pitt team came into the season. Uh, with not a lot of expectations, and uh, their head coach, um, Capel, uh, Jeff Capel, who's been he's been under some heat, uh, especially coming into this year, and he's actually got this team in pretty good position. They're sitting third in the conference. Uh, they have an eight and three conference record, um, and uh, yeah, you cannot overlook this team. I, I actually think they have some really good guards. They have a decent big, and they have some players that got in the portal. So definitely, to me, what I'm looking for is it's not necessarily how do we stop Pitt. It's how do we play um, our best game in me, it, to me. I think we've got to worry about what we do uh, because we are a much more talented team, and I think we have the pieces. Uh, obviously, you can't you know just ignore what Pitt does uh, because they have some high-caliber players. I think they had one player that dropped 30 on us in Pittsburgh, but – uh, you know, I think what I'm looking for tonight is we've mentioned this and this is getting redundant, uh, but high assist, low turnovers. I think that's a key, but also RJ Davis, he was injured in Syracuse. I don't know his status. Uh, I would like to know, um, you know, how he's, you know, doing, is he going to play tonight? Whatever. Uh, that's a big factor to me, but, uh, it comes down to, you know, uh, assist turnovers, chemistry, quality shots. And also I think we've started to dip into the bench a little bit. I think we've seen some players. I think Trimble's got in there, uh, had some big minutes. Uh, we saw Tyler nickel come into Syracuse, play some heavy minutes. And we've seen some spurts of Jalen Washington, who I think is going to be a big time player. Uh, if he's back, uh, next year, you don't know, he's got NBA talent. I'm excited about him. And I think he's going to be a, a huge piece for us come down the road. 
but also, I mean, this team is playing well. It looks like Pete Nance actually had his best game as a Tar Heel against Syracuse. So if he keeps playing well and he comes into form like we thought he would, I think that's going to relieve a lot of pressure for Armando down low. And Armando has just been on a tear recently. Having big games, uh, I think the one guy who some people say could be struggling or trying to find their rhythm right now is Caleb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out. But also, you cannot ignore the emergence of R.J. Davis. Uh, there's only been two games this year where I uh, think he hasn't had at least 10 points. Uh, that came, uh, obviously, last game he left with uh, an injury. So he had nine. But before that, it was only one. Obviously, guys, I know the math. Uh, I can't remember which game it was, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Sleep. I think I think we're we're coming down to the team that everyone thought, and it's not that we're going to be a dominant powerhouse uh, team because there. Th- listen, there is no team in college right now. Alabama is very very gifted. Uh, they have athletes, and we took them into four overtimes. You can look at the SEC record; they were winning almost every game by double digits, and they just took an L to a struggling Oklahoma team mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Uh, so anybody this year is beatable. But it looks like this team is finally coming around to the team that we somewhat thought they could be. Mm-hmm. And we're not really getting the credit for it. I think we've won the last 10, maybe 12 or 13 games. Uh, but we've been playing well. And uh, it starts tonight in uh, the Smith Center against Pittsburgh. I think this will get us momentum. And you know what happened last year when we went, mm-hmm. over, to, when we went over to Durham uh on the last game, Coach K will ever coach in Cameron. We smacked that ass. And, uh, you know, we had a gift for him. We gave him a big-ass L uh, in Cameron. And I haven't seen him back there since. And I don't want to <laughs> ignore, ignore Pittsburgh, but I was so excited about how hard we slapped his ass in his last game he ever he'll ever coach there. Yeah, that and then the last game he'll ever coach. We did the same thing. You're right about about Pitt, and I'm going to close it out because we, we need to, you know, like you said, we don't want to overlook him, but we – by the time anybody listens, we uh, <laughs> this shit will be a foregone conclusion. But Jamarius Burton is his name. Came from Charlotte last last game. Dropped 31 on us. And not only did he drop 31, he was like, let's see here, 14 of 17 from the field. I mean, get out of here. So, you know, uh, he basically single-handedly got hot and beat us. And, and you know, we, we, we lost by two on the road um, and, and didn't play well. Uh, in the second half, but we're, I, I agree with you completely. I think we're a completely different team, at least in the last five, seven games. And uh, you know, it'll be uh, we go play our game. We should, we should, we shouldn't have any problems uh, winning at home. And if we do, I mean, you know, after a really disappointing start, I mean, where all kinds of people are saying all kinds of dumb shit. Like here we are, uh, we're fourth in the conference right now would be sitting at second or third with a win behind only Clemson and Virginia. Clemson's starting to show a few signs of, you know, a few chinks in their armor and Virginia is just a borathon. So you gotta worry about them. So but uh so that does bring us to Duke, man, and and you can't look past it. But um I don't know. I think I think it right now, and I watched Duke a little bit last night and and I mean Carolina's clearly a better team right now. Uh, decidedly better team than Duke is, in my opinion. Now, Filipowski's a great player. He's probably the best. I mean, Mondo is is obviously um a you know a beast, but Filipowski, I think, is the most probably NBA ready player on the floor right now. But you know, if you can find a way to keep him, you know, guarded, you gotta like Carolina's chances because I mean, 
uh, we are sort of starting to round into form at the right time. And and the, the crazy part, we talked last time. So we've won uh, six of the last seven. And the loss was at Virginia, at Pitt. And then, so what is that? Five, nine and two over our last 11 games? Six, something like 10 and two over our last 12 games. Um, you know, it's just since the four game, since the four game losing streak, we're 10 and two. And, um, just a different team. So the other thing I was going to say is like, we talked to last pod about, you know, you got state at Syracuse Pitt at Duke at wake Clemson, Miami's 23rd at state. And then at Notre Dame at, or uh, home of Virginia and Florida state Duke, like the rest of your schedule, you got about two games in there where you feel like we should win no matter what. And everything else is going to be a contest. So you start asking yourself the same thing we were asking ourselves at the beginning of the year. We talk about how dangerous that is, but damn, dude, you get rolling and man, you're looking in the rear mirror come come champ, uh, ACC tournament time, and all of a sudden here you are again, uh, where you were supposed to be when we first started this thing, as you know, I would say at that point the favorite. So um, a lot a lot of games between now and then. Okay, we got one tonight for the next one at Duke, but uh, like you said, dude, the team just has looked. And, and another thing is you've said all season long, RJ is key. And I agree with you. He's been playing incredibly well. I said in the beginning of the season, I really felt like uh, Caleb was the key because I think he is your guy that if if he gets consistent, you can forget about it. Like, yeah, we will run the table potentially. If he gets consistent, we stay healthy. So RJ is is sort of like, you know, he's the guy I think that can, that, whose poise just sort of, you know, Everybody else just kind of picks up on his vibe. Caleb's a guy that if he gets going, you get a little bit of that swagger going with the team. And uh, you saw that happen late last year. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd say he's probably due for it. He's kind of a streaky guy. And if he gets hot now, man, it'd be a great time to do it. Yeah, and, and sleep. You know what trio I kind of like is I like the RJ, Seth, Caleb, and I like that trio on the court. Mm-hmm. And I think they play well together. It gives us an up-tempo style of basketball. Uh, I really like it when they play together. Uh, I haven't seen the numbers on that, and I don't care to because I have an eyes and I have enough basketball knowledge to know that I think they play well together. But that other piece would be the, you know, if you do go small like that, would you surround them with another small and then just kind of go four out one in with Mondo? That would be very interesting to me. Or, or would you go totally small and just let's just say Mondo's, you know, winded and you keep Pete out there or you just go straight Jalen and then keep like a Tyler nickel or leaky at the four and just go super small. Yeah. There's all kinds of, you're starting to, as you said, you're starting to see some guys get a little bit of burn their heads above water a little bit. Mostly it's been Trimble, uh, who is sixth on the team in minutes, had a puff, um, you know, and, yeah. You know, I, yeah, it, there's some interesting rotations you could run out there, especially, uh, you know, depending on your matchups, you just get out there and run some guys. Yeah, and I, I have no problem. I think Puff can mix it up, and I think 100%. he can play the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go Trimble, RJ, uh, Caleb, Puff, and then, you know, Jalen. That might be like a second unit type thing, uh, even though RJ and Caleb aren't second unit, but that would be something – I don't know, man. I'm just talking here and uh, just exploring, you know, some other options. And, you know, I think it's kind of cool. But 
looking ahead at the state, because we will have this game covered, uh, Pitt and North Carolina will have played when this comes out. So uh, you guys will know how that game's going. I have us winning sleep. I think we play well at home. Uh, so I think uh, this will somewhat be a, re- a revenge game for what they did to us in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh started off the season, by the way, real rocky. I think they lost. They won their first game, then lost like three or four in a row uh, to some maybe some quad threes or quad mm-hmm. whatever the quadrants work out to be. They weren't quality uh, teams. Uh, so this this will be an interesting game tonight. But as I look forward and I look ahead to the Duke game, and I know everyone's excited to talk about this. Um, Duke hasn't been the team that everyone thought. And I know we've taken a lot of heat and rightfully so losing four games in a row and projected to be, uh, you know, unanimous number one uh, preseason. Duke hasn't been the team they thought uh, either. Um, Everyone kind of had them. No one thought they would be what uh, seventh tied for seventh in the ACC. I mean, seven and three in conference play. Uh, And then on the Kim Palm, which is advanced stats, they have them ranked 29th in the country. They have us 32nd currently. That could change if we take an L to Pittsburgh or win. You never know about these things. It's kind of like these advanced stats. It's a little bit like the weather. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I look at Duke and why they're struggling this year, I think the Roach kid had a big um, – everyone put a big emphasis on him. He really came alive last year. Uh, he's dealing with some injuries. And even myself, I thought, man, this kid's going to be a problem next year. He really hasn't lived up to the hype. And whether that's because of injuries uh, or, you know, just, you know, pressure, whatever, I think it has to do with injuries. But I will say uh, in a recent interview, I saw him after the game saying that he's more than likely going to have to deal with pain management the whole year. Mm. And so with some guy, even though he's a younger kid, there you take somebody with a lot of experience at Duke and somebody who you're looking for to be a leader and you kind of limit their role. And now all of a sudden you have all these freshmen coming in Filipowski, uh, this other, you know, high ranked freshman, I forget his name. Uh, but the one that had all these expectations, one of the top recruits in the country, I think he's from like Australia or something, but, uh, they lack experience. And the one kid who I really like who mix it, mixes it up down low in, I just sometimes I like watching guys that play blue collar basketball. It's a young kid for Duke. Uh, he gets a lot of rebounds. He hangs around the rim. He mixes it up. He sets good screens. And I'll be damned if I don't like to watch him play. And I hate it because he's in a Duke uniform. But I really like his game. And he is a transfer. They got him in the portal uh, from Northwestern. Uh, and he's, he's come in and done a great job for them. But the Filipowski kid is a versatile um, he can step outside, shoot. He has size. He has NBA size, by the way, and he has a lot of skill. So the matchup I'm looking forward, uh, looking for is, are we going to put Leaky on Filipowski? Uh, and what does Duke try to do with that matchup? I think Leaky can guard him on the perimeter. I think he gives up a little size in the post. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how Duke explores that and how we explore that. I think Leaky can get out and run them, uh, but I'm looking forward to that matchup. And I'm also obviously looking up, looking forward to uh, the Mondo and the Young matchup. I think it's going to be interesting. Young, experienced, uh, transfer senior, um, 
and he's been having a good season. He's a strong player. I want to see how him and Mondo go at it. I'm looking forward to that. And I really think that uh, our guards, our front court, are going to have to take advantage. I think we have an advantage in the front court. So it'll be very interesting to see how we explore this. Yeah, it's interesting because if you look at Duke's record, they're not, you know, not terrible. Um, and, obviously, and they're good. Go ahead. Sleep. I'll, I will say this. I looked at their schedule and I did a little bit of evaluation. And their losses, they have some quality losses. When I look at, uh, you know, they lost early in the year to Kansas, mm-hmm. a contender, um, and they lost to Purdue early. Mm-hmm. Now, Purdue is the number one team in the country. And to me right now, there's been no team that's been more consistent in basketball than Purdue. They have Zach Eady, who is dominating down low and having a player of the year type of year. Uh, but, you know, they they really haven't had a lot of, you know, bad losses. I mean, Wake Forest wasn't a great loss. NC State, Virginia Tech is a very bad loss mm-hmm. on the road to Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech's been a little banged up, and we took an L to them as well. But that is a bad loss, and that was recently. Uh, but, you know, they are a tougher team than probably we were, were talking about. Well, there's that. But they've also had some bad losses within, though. You know, a, a loss at NC State, you know, a week ago, we would have told you it wasn't a bad loss, but they got the fucking doors blown off in there. Um, and yeah. anytime you go to NC State, play them at home, on the road, on an aircraft carrier, on the moon, if they blow you out, it's a bad loss, right? And and then you look closely at a one-point win at Boston College, uh, a two-point win against Miami. Miami's a good team, but a two-point win at home against Miami. You'd, last night, they easily could have lost that game. Lost, swept by Wake Forest. So, you know, and then some of the games are more lopsided. Like, so you got Georgia Tech, you damn double them up, beat the shit out of them, right? Florida State. But these teams aren't any good. So, um, you know, you uh, it, it seems like, Hey, you go way back, man. They won by three against Oregon State. So, you know, it just seems like they're the type of team that 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 can really show up or um, not. And it's you know we've we've experienced some of that stuff ourselves in the past couple se- excuse me couple seasons. So it'll it'll be a good game from dorks because the other thing here is the X factor is this is their first chance at a lifetime of chances at redemption that they'll never get. Right. This is the first game since uh since since uh since the championship. I lost my train of thought. I mean, I just I started I started wandering down memory lane there, dude. Like dude, I mean, sleep, the rivalry will never be the same. Yeah, it's over. And you know, and the reason we did that, and the reason I say that is because there's no better ammunition out there than hey, you know what? We smacked you in the biggest stage in the rivalry at the Final Four. Um, we used to be able to be like, that. hey, dude, Jordan went here. And now we get to say that, and we're like, yo, dude, you lost a lot. We kicked Chessie's ass out of, out of the ACC. And then, I mean, dude, it couldn't have gotten – I mean, you just have to think back to that. Like, they should do a Netflix documentary or – I mean, 30 for 30 ain't enough. Like, you can't, you can't cover that. Like, they should really, you know, talk about – like, this should be a fucking – 10 part, the last dance too should be oh. about how we kick the shit out of him. And, and can you imagine if Kay would have won on his last year? I mean, the documentary, no. I mean, mm. the classes, I mean, I know he's doing this class on the master class on mm. how to be a leader or whatever. Mm. That's good. Yeah. His, his class would have been like how to win every game. Like, I'm just like, you know, it's just the fact that they didn't win. And, you know, I'm just thinking here, if they could, the, 
the spin cycle on this, if he would have went out <laughs> with the championship, would have just been oh, oh my, it would have been unbearable. It made that do the Pope, but it would have fired the Pope and made him the Pope. Uh, oh, yeah. I was thinking the other day too. You know, it's interesting about these Duke games. Like all the pay, all the famous people that show up at a Duke game. Like no one, none of them ever went there, or no one of them ever like really even have an, affi- an affiliation with them. You know, there's a lot of there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of celebs at the game at Duke, and it's funny because. You know, you got all these people that show up to support Duke once a year. In other words, just can afford the most expensive ticket to go watch and play in that damn garage. But um, none of them ever went there. You know, all the guys that played there are like, whatever, a bunch of nerds. So, you know, I'm sure Leitner will be there because he ain't got nothing left to cling to. And, uh, you know, you'll have Peyton Manning there and you'll have like Seinfeld there who ain't even funny. And you got, I don't know, some other dipshits will show up and Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Wow, I think his yeah, daughter like, went to do the, yeah. uh, the you know, Adam the, Silver. The, oh my. You're looking it, like uh, Powder. You ever seen that movie? <laughs> I, I actually like Adam Silver. I but, do. I think he's the best. I think he's the best commissioner in the history of sports. Yeah. He does a good job. For the record. But, um, you know, sleep, when I look at this rivalry now, you know, the, the two head coaches have really changed. Like mm-hmm. Hubert Davis, very good guy. Uh, he can get fired up, very animated as well. But when I look at Shire, I, I mean, the the thing that has always kind of fueled a lot of uh, UNC people is like, we've talked about it, kind of like Kay is kind of like the Dark Vader. I mean, he's just like a, seems like an evil guy. He has this this air about him that's, you're kind of like a little, he's a little laser focused and doesn't mm-hmm. really talk, but you can see him chewing out the refs, players, and just kind of, you can tell he's just, you know, saying some things that you can't <laughs> have mic'd up. I don't see that in Shire. Uh-uh. And, the, you know, and, and what do you think? Do you think Shire is sustainable at Duke? And, I, and the reason, reason I say that is because the mold that Kay has put there, kind of that evil laser focus, you know, determined, like Shire seems like a good guy. And it doesn't seem like when I, and he doesn't have to do what Kay did. He doesn't have to like blatantly cuss out a player or blatantly just let the refs have it. But again, like when I associate Duke, I associate their head coach doing all those things. I don't, I have to answer your question flatly. I don't think he's sustainable. And it's, and here's why. I mean, this is a big job. This is a big personality, you know, that has to sit in this seat. It's not just about coaching basketball. It's about personifying like this, this elite, um, you know, this elite place to play college basketball. And, and, and there's like moxie that is involved in that. And there's, there's ego and there's, um, there's credentials too. So like a lot of people could probably say, I'm mean, quite frankly, I asked the same questions of myself about Hubert and there's different ways, like you said, to win, um, you know, John Wooden, I think probably had an ego, um, that, that you never really got talked about, but he was also like seen as this, basically like this saint. I'm sure Dean Smith had an ego, right? And 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 you know, you have to be able to um the thing and, and where sorry, where I was going about 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 Hubert is the, the the other the big X factor with Hubert is he's been to the NBA and played for a long time. Like people don't realize that, but like he had a great career in the NBA. And um it's not that you can't be a nice coach. You can, but you also can't be just void 
And I think that's what it seems like with Shire. Like, okay, so maybe people, maybe Hubert's too nice, right? Maybe, 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 maybe that doesn't work out long term. I think it's doing, it's doing very well so far, right? And and, mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody to get confused with me thinking that, you know, there. I, I, all I'm saying is, is like I, I could see some of these things I'm saying about Shire. People would, would turn that around and say, well, what about Hubert? But Hubert is emotional. He gets fired up, and you saw last year. You saw it. Maybe it was the best the most apparent, uh, you know, uh, situation that I can remember where a team got behind a fucking coach. Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, it was palpable, right? And mm-hmm. so when you've got that, it don't matter, dude, you might play chess on the weekends for all I care. And, and, and if you can, if you can rally the troops, man, you got it, but you know, and, and you might see that with Shire, but it's just, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's tough to put my finger on, but he does. He just seems a little void of, of like the required, um, you know, what somebody needs to tell him to do, if I'm being just flat out, put myself in a vacuum and giving John Shire advice, that motherfucker needs to go get a technical foul. Like, you know, he's got to fire somebody up and let his players know that, um, you know, that he's into it. And, you know, but yeah, it's it's, it's a fair point, a fair question. And, and I'm honestly, honest to God, like I'm not even coming at this from like a hatred standpoint. It's just a, it really is what I see about it. I'd say the same thing if he coached at Montana. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it it does seem that way. Yes. And and sleep, you bring up a great point about the technical foul and a lot of people, when they look who don't really like the, the, um, the weight that a technical foul carries. And what I say that is when a head coach is fighting for their players Mm -hmm. and just going at the refs. It's it's a way of showing the team that hey I got your I got your back mm-hmm. like hey I'm here to fight all right okay I'm gonna come out here I'm gonna get a technical but you guys better you guys better back me up and play hard because what we're doing right now is not okay and there's one coach who I look across uh, the ba- college basketball landscape right now who's very good at that and that's Bill Self mm-hmm. and I don't think there's many uh, I think Bill Self's one of the best coaches in the country I don't I don't even think it's a de- it's debatable. And you'll occasionally see him do that. You'll mm-hmm. see him getting red faced on the sideline. He'll get a T and it just fires his squad up. And I, I just don't think there's somebody better that really gets, you know, gets the weight of the technical like he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to see that from a, a fan perspective, watching these games, I do enjoy a coach just getting mad and just, you know, going off and get a technical. Now I do not like seeing it from the player. I mm-hmm. want to get that right. Yeah. It is it, when a player gets a technical, to me, it's being selfish. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm coming from somebody who's gotten a technical every single year at Carolina. Uh, I'm up there uh, with the most T's of any player. Uh, but, you know, that comes from emotion as well. But to, 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 for a player to go and complain to the ref and get fired up and get a technical, to me, that is selfish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that should always come from the ref or the the head coach. And I think the players, especially at the college level, should be very respectful to the refs. And we've been on here, we've complained about the refs. The ref, the refing this year has been atrocious. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone that watches college basketball consistently will agree with us how bad the refing has been. And I think the I state mean, fans are fine with them, though. I think the state guys out there are okay with the calls that the rest state, are it's, it's, Hey, you know what? State would never, <laughs> you know, it's their, uh, their opinions and the way they think is just unbelievable. They always think there somebody's out to get them. It's called NCSU and on, dude. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> 
Um, nah, you're you're exactly right. And 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 a name. So I watch a lot of NBA. I don't know how many people really know that that listen to the pod. But one of the things, you know, one of the coaches that um, I think kind of has that Shire mentality. I'm not at all comparing these two, but from from like a coaching standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense. But at his, if if John Shire were to reach his full potential at Duke, he would be a coach. I think that would be a lot like a Steve Kerr and a uh, Brad Stevens, right? Stevens obviously didn't coach anymore, but mainly Steve Kerr is the one that comes to mind. He's very sure of who he's got on his roster. He's got the weight of the damn, you know, man, you know, Shire's going to have, you you like to think they'd have a long leash there. It's a weird, weird situation, right? I feel like, I feel like Duke could lose a couple seasons and be not good. And I don't think people would just be up in arms and revolt there. Um, Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like, you know, Kerr is like that. He's very sort of just flat on the sideline. You know, you look around and you're like, dude, you you fucking watching this shit going on? And uh, occasionally, like when the time is right, he'll get real fired up. And, and, you know, the players really respect him and his demeanor. And, you know, Steve Kerr wasn't like a great player, but he won championships. And he was an important role player, which I, in a weird way, and, you know, Hubert was the same way, is like a good role player. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, you think common sense would tell you that that those are probably guys who are going to make great coaches because they understand at a at a level that few do what you what it means to the other guys that aren't the stars uh, to contribute and um and and John Shire I you know I look dude I don't think a a school like Duke is going to just make a decision like that without thinking that he's got great potential so you know when I see him you know I guess that's my biggest fear is. <laughs> he reaches that potential and uh someday you know 100 years from now we meet again in the final four and uh you know we have to i have to show him the hard way you know but uh, yeah i i don't think shy i nah i i don't think he's uh i don't think he's that guy um <laughs> i just want to say that but i don't know you know well time will tell but i wonder uh, if tom brady will be there Oh, man. He ain't got nothing else I, to do. I, I really hope he doesn't pull for Duke. Um, but that I will say, I will say, sleep. I think Kay's behind uh, all these moves, and I don't think sure. there's any question that he's strong armed uh, a lot of higher ups to really get Shire that job. Um, but um, yeah, I'm with you. The Steve Kerr uh, comparison is a great one, and he does at the NBA level. He does do that. He fires his team up. He knows how to talk to his players aggressively, but still keep that respect. Uh, I saw it, I saw it done recently. I think Steph Curry put it up on his Instagram uh, where he was uh, pointing out how Kerr was getting on Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then Jordan Poole turned his game around. Yep. And had a great night. I was and, watching uh, that. He's, yeah, he's if your just, players come yeah. out and fight for you like that, that's the type of relationship, you know, that's a symbiotic sort of situation that any team, I don't give a shit if you play Little League, right? If, if your players get behind your coach and coach gets behind the players, like that's a winning recipe. You can win a lot of shit that you probably shouldn't win, um, you know, when you've got that sort of environment. Now, that's that's a great point. Um, and yeah, it, like I said, it'll be interesting. It'll really be interesting to see how he handles this game. Right. Um, you know, because if you can't <laughs> you can't get fired up for this one at home in front of all these dipshits, um, you know, I don't know what you're gonna do. So, you know, let's hope he doesn't figure it out. He'll be, be fired up. Everyone will be fired up in camera. It's gonna be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, absolutely. Um couple of things. Skip the Super Bowl because that's shit. We got an extra week. Um, the other people that are fired up, 
you, you mentioned the referees. So I got two things I want to get on, get in and out of here. So, so um, basketball wise, this is LeBron foul. Got to talk about it. So yeah. referees in basketball and football in particular have been in the spotlight the other night, you know, they, they came out and said that this was a bad call and mm-hmm. like you can debate all day long, whether or not you want to argue whether they should review that call or change it or what. I mean, dude, who cares? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the fucking answer is, but the funniest thing to me, and I said this before we came on is like, dude, I am a LeBron enthusiast. Like I would name my child LeBron if I had one. Um, he clearly got fouled. Like there's just no debate about it. But in a way that only LeBron could, like somehow he still overreacted. It's like, bruh, like he was flopping around like a, a fish that accidentally jumped in a boat. And dude, it was really comical, man. And watching him just sort of like couldn't even process like the reaction that he wanted to like to have. And then, of course, I mean, they've like I, I was looking at some pretty compelling Twitter evidence that the referees have really been directly involved late in the game on like four of the Lakers fat last five losses. And at a certain point, like, you know, you have to back away from that and say like, man, the Lakers are a few games out of the playoffs. Um, the crazy, Oh dude, the crazy part about that whole thing was a referee on that call or on that game. They said the Lakers or the, the, he's a, his whole family's like a Celtics fan. I got pictures wearing Celtics shit all over themselves. I mean, all over the internet. Wow. And they're like 36 and two or some shit in the games that he's officiated. And I mean, all right, sign me up for a fucking conspiracy theory, dude. There's got to be something there. I mean, come on, 36 and two. Listen, that he's not going to be refing uh, many more Celtics games. You can guarantee that. Uh, and rarely will I get on here and defend LeBron or some of his antics, but I think he's been under a lot of stress. And I think the media has really been coming after him uh, for the past couple of years with the Lakers. And he's trying to make the playoffs. He's trying to get a push. And this was a huge game. I think they took an L uh, to the Knicks the next night. And anytime you're a West Coast team and you make that, if you're a West Coast, you come to the East Coast. If you're, you come to the West Coast, those trips are tough to get wins, especially against one of the best teams in the NBA and the Celtics. I think it was just a bunch of built-in emotions knowing yeah. that he had a chance to win against the Celtics. And they had been on a roll. They had Anthony Davis healthy. And just the fact that it was a refs. And he always, listen, listen guys, if you don't think LeBron gets the benefit of the doubt from the NBA refs, then you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. LeBron <laughs> gets calls because he's LeBron. Do not get that twisted. But the refs blatantly missed a call. And <laughs> did he handle himself? Probably not the best. I think he could have handled it better. I hate when the guys are, you know, staying out after the games, watching other teams celebrate, or just so distraught that they can't walk back to the locker room and cry in their own locker now. Uh, that's a whole nother subject, but I, I will say I'm going to give him a pass because I think it had a lot to do with a lot of other things as well. But I do like how the NBA handled it, and I'm I'm all about this. The NBA immediately put a statement out right after the game. We blew the call. We missed it. Let's move on. And I hate when people – now, the NBA kind of did this in a way. I hate when there's a – just like everyone else, we are not perfect. We missed a call just like players – Shut the fuck. No, you guys just, just leave it at, Hey, we missed a call. That should have been a foul. Okay. Late in the game. We missed it. Move on. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to argue a point here. 
I don't think LeBron gets nearly enough calls. Wow. Okay. And I'm 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 wow. literally the pace at which I'm coming at you with this is because I think I got the facts to fucking back it up, dude. Um, this season, I'm trying to find last season. This season, LeBron is 18th in the league in free throws attempted. Okay. That's obviously on the high side. Okay. But when you look at the fact that he's I don't give a shit what anybody says. He's the top 10. He's averaging 30 points a game, and he's driving to the basket all game long. I think that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt as often as he should because he's so big and strong. You see a lot of times where like, and contrarily, because he's so much bigger than everybody else and bulldozes down the lane, some of these guys that don't have the size just fly off of him like, you know, like he just blows right through them. And they just can't contend. And, and and then they get a whistle because the ref just fucking feels sorry for them. Um, I'm looking, trying to find last year, last season. Um, the hell is LeBron? Here we go, sleep. And this one's going to really be a haymaker to your argument. And I really want to see you come back. Um, so when I was in the NBA, there was a streak going where LeBron hasn't been called for a personal foul in five games in a row. He played five games, heavy minutes, no fouls called on him in a row with the Heat. That is a, I mean, for as aggressive as he plays, as physical as he is, and how he attacks to think possible, even just to be on the court, even if you're soft. With the and you don't heat? Even, with the heat. Dude, that's 12 years ago, man. Like, did LeBron not play last year? Was he hurt most of the year last year? Yeah, he was in and out, I think. Okay, that, I'm trying to find he's like straight. not even on it last year. Not even on the list. So he must have just had uh it must be some sort of threshold here. Um, but dude, I look, I'm just gonna I mean, I'm I'm looking and I'm trying to find I'm back in 2020 now. What year was that with the heat? Dude, LeBron does not get a lot of okay, 16th in 2020. 2012? Does this thing even go back that far? I was in high school in 2012. <laughs> uh all right, 2012, he was second in the lead in free throw. So yeah, you got a lot of calls that year. Um Anyway, point is, yeah, you know, I don't know. The refs suck. That was a terrible call. Uh, and, and and I think the whole, I'll tell you where the Lakers the trade deadlines coming up. If you're the Lakers, you need a new piece. I trade Anthony Davis, and this yeah. is a hot take. And I know he's a great player, but he's he awesome. cannot stay on the can't court. Stay healthy, you need, man. Yeah. And, and, and if you can't get any pieces, I would take future draft picks Dude. at this point. I would take lottery picks. So and, that's what and the reason I. Yep. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, go ahead. The reason I say that is because, man, this guy has not been on the court uh, nearly enough to get his value. I, and it's amazing. And I understand the talent. When he's healthy and he's on, he's one of the best. But that only happens for maybe two weeks of the season. Dude, for the last two seasons, well, LeBron played 56 games last year, played 45 the year before, but that was the bubble. LeBron James is averaging 30 points seven re or seven assists and eight and a half rebounds a game. He is 65 fucking years old. He had 30 points a game last year in the same exact situation. Can't team can't win shit. He has not averaged 30 since 2007, 2008. He has an average eight and a half rebounds. He's, he's touched eight and a half rebounds, but he's floating around like the best season statistically of his career. The dude um, is still hooping. I mean, he is a monster. I mean, at 37, 38, whatever he is right now. Shooting 50% uh, from the floor. He's at his career average of field goal percentage. And it's astounding. I, I've, got a, 
I'm blaming the management. And, you know, everyone talks about Westbrook not being compatible with LeBron. Get out of here. I mean, Westbrook, when he came there, he wasn't like the Westbrook that everyone considered him to be. We knew that he wasn't a sniper from the outside, but that dude competes. He tries to win every single night. Mm-hmm. He'll do whatever it takes. Yep. He makes he makes blue-collar plays. He plays defense, all that stuff. Don't give me that. And then he's on the court every single night. And then they blame Frank Vogel. They got, uh-huh. rid, of, got rid of him. Uh, then they had this new coach. They still can't figure it out. They're still not a... a this is all on management. I don't know how you twist it or what different route you take. Uh, they need to take responsibility for this. Here's an oddly telling stat. So LeBron is above his career average in scoring. He is at his career average in assists. He is above his career average in rebounds. He's above his career average in free throws, uh, free throw percentage. He is taking seven threes a game, and he's only shooting 31%. It is a low... It is, if, he, if this holds... It will be his lowest three-point percentage, well, second lowest in his entire career. And it's it's humbling on or, or is it's that hum- LeBron? Covering LeBron. And so what that tells me is, dude, he's having such a stellar year, but he's I can visualize what's happening. And I've seen, you know, I watch a few Lakers games. Is, you know, the offense breaks down, he's got nobody on his team, shot clock's running out, and it's ISO. And he's just pulling up from fucking parking lot. And yeah. I don't, you know, he ain't Steph Curry and he and he ain't even young LeBron. So and that's where I'm going with all of this. Is we just watched and we said that at the top, Tom Brady retires, man. You only get so many chances to watch somebody that great. LeBron is arguably, I mean, he is, I mean, an arguable top two guy. Steph is what 35, 34, 35. He's the only he's other guy. Yeah. He's the only other guy, in my opinion, that's even close on the on the on the accomplishment side, right? I think Kevin Durant is up there in terms of talent, but he just hasn't quite accomplished the same kind of stuff, injuries, whatever. Like, there's only so often you get to see this. LeBron's 38 years old. And if you don't move now, like you don't you don't want to sell, you know, you don't want to sell these picks, you know, two, three years from now to win the championship. Um when does it make sense? I mean, you got to go out and get somebody. And the thing of it is for, for these guys right now is I just, I just don't know that there's anybody out there that's going to, uh, that's on the shelf on the block or whatever. That's going to, I think you could go get like Scotty Barnes or Ananobi or some of these guys that are rumored a little bit, but there's not any one guy where I'm like, okay, yep. He's, he's the one. They don't fit to me. Like and yeah. when I look at the Lakers, I'm like the reason LeBron is shooting all these jump shots because the defense is collapsing. They have mm-hmm. no shooters yep. for the Lakers. You got to surround. Everybody knows this. LeBron is a slasher. There's mm-hmm. nobody that can get to the rim or has the athleticism and size that he does. Surround him with shooters to draw the defense out. That's very easy. The reason he's shooting so many J's is because everyone's sitting in the lane. He can't get in there. Uh, so to me, you go out and you get shooters. You get you go out and find snipers. And if you have to overpay for a few good shooters to, so you guys can make a playoff push and possibly win a championship, you do that. And you find who those guys are. And that's why you have a GM. I mean, that's that's their job. Uh, so I would be uh, thoroughly mad if I was LeBron, especially at the Lakers management. We'll see what they do at the trade deadline, but they desperately, to me, need need more shooting. Trade deadline, I think, February 9th. It is an interesting, uh, interesting thing. We've got a shooter coming back. Shout out Danny Green. Um, coming back from from his injury, uh, I think tonight, right? 
Yeah, tonight. Pretty sure he uh, plays he night in Memphis. Big, yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, excited to see him back on the court, man. He's a, uh, a, a mainstay on Sleep Dogs fantasy basketball teams over the years. So good to see him back. Um, one thing you won't see back is my boy Kaminga in the Rookies and Stars game. We'll get out of here on this one. I was pissed about this. And nobody, I, I mean, I know that everybody really just sort of flocks to Sleep Hawk worldwide because they want to know the latest on Jonathan Kaminga. And believe me, I fucking got it. And he is a snub on the rookie on the future stars game. And this seems like obviously, all right, this is a, a sleep dog pet project here. But dude, this kid is is top five in the rookie class. He just is is in a and dude. I watch every single game. I watched him play in fucking summer league. If he if uh, what was the FIBA thing? I watched all of it. I mean, I've seen this dude from day one. He is top five in his class, and I think he's better than that. You just can't tell because there's no you know there's not enough not enough space for him to play. He is. You got Steph, Clay, Poole, Dre. Draymond is is obviously the more important player and the more important piece and the smarter player. Kaminga is easily the most athletic guy on the Warriors. Oh yeah, he's he's top ten defender in the league. He's mm. every single night you watch. I'm telling you, man, if you haven't watched him, watch every night they're mm-hmm. putting him on the top guy. Now the top guy is the top, Alexander. The other night goes for like 31 points, and everybody looks at the box score and they're like, huh, "Are you kidding, dude?" He was one for eight in the first half because Kaminga was un, in his fucking pocket, right? And I'm not saying he's shutting down, but he's on Luca. He's on LeBron. He's on he's on their star every game, and um. I don't know, man. It's like people haven't started watching this kid, dude. He's fucking really good. And um, he's starting to show it since he came back. He sprained his foot and was out for like eight games. And since he came back and he's averaging like 14 a game in like 20 minutes. And his, his plus minus is best on the team. And he's shooting the ball well. He's shooting like 65%, mm-hmm. um, taking smart shots. And just his his IQ is, is really interesting to watch. So anyway, I just thought it was fucking ridiculous. Sleep, I, I'm going to back you up. Future stars. I, I I know about Kaminga, and I watch him. He's the guy who can't even legally have a drink, I don't think. No, he's 20. 20. Just yeah. turned 20 in October. And so looking, Don't worry about why I know that. <laughs> looking back on his career, you know, when you're an all-star here – three or four years, whatever. Uh, We'll see how he pans out. But, you know, not making the sophomore game is just going to be like, can't believe I cared about that. But, you know, currently right now, it could be a little blow, but he could also use it to motivate himself. Mm -hmm. I I don't see why, oh, you guys don't think I'm one of the best sophomores out here, the second-year players? All right, I'll show it. And, you know, to me, when I think about Kaminga, I just think it comes down to experience. Mm-hmm. I think he's a young player, and I think the more he's involved and the more minutes he gets, I think he's going to continue to improve in his confidence and knowing what to do, how to move without the ball is a huge deal for the Warriors. The Warriors are the best movement basketball team in the world. And so I think that kind of naturally comes uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on Kaminga. He has a high ceiling. I'm excited to uh, keep. Why well, my wife dude, She just wishes I'd shut the fuck up about him. If you ain't checked him out, man, you gotta go check out. Next time Warriors on TV, uh, you know, check it out. Um, not a whole lot else, man. Um, big game for the heels this weekend. Got to get through tonight. Then it's Saturday. All bets are off. Um, so we'll see how it goes tonight. You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs>